Guess what you found? You found the Story Forward podcast. Lucky you. Uh, we found it too. In fact, we were already here. We are your hosts. I am Larry Rosen. He is Christian when this I am. is... I am Christian. <laughs> I should let you say your own name. That's okay. Uh, I'm here. This is season three slash four stories from the world of sports. By now, we've uh, settled into our sports world. We're looking at all different kinds of sports. And on this episode, uh, we're going to examine what happens after you stop playing youth competitive sports. Now, yes. for, for most people, sorry, I mean to step on you there. No, no, no. Um, <clears throat> For most people, uh, competitive sports ends in Little League, in junior high school, in high school, and whatever those youth leagues are. Once you're done, you're done. Maybe uh, college um, intramurals. But yep. for a certain number of people, the competitive flyers never go out, and they have to continue by playing adult sports. Yes, for you, so, Mr. Rosen, What I know you've played yeah. some. It's been a little while, you said. I know you did. Uh, you played some volleyball. You, did you play, actually, I mean, as a baseball player, you played in, like, an, an adult league, didn't you? As actual I did, but I was, like, I did, but I was, like, 23. So I sort of consider that part of the same. There was no, like, huge gap where you play in, like, the over 40 league or the over 50 league. Yeah, um, yeah I did play volleyball until I was 35, but... yeah. I never, you know, it's funny. I never thought of it as an adult sports league. Have you played in adult sports leagues? I've played in a couple softball leagues over the years. You know, I got into it actually in the Seattle days. Not, I was, you know, still in my 20s. We played with like, uh, I don't know, Eric Olson was on the team. I remember that. I think Bart Foley <laughs> was on the team. But um, in my Boise time, since about the year 2000, I've played a little bit of softball here. I did a lot of playing of like pickup basketball or just you know sort of noon y ball you know a ton but mm -hmm. i had to retire because i had to my back kept going out because you know age but I didn't, I didn't know you had retired from basketball yeah i just kept tweaking it and then it just then you had to like wait a couple weeks and you're like i'm gonna go back and then you tweak it again um so i you know I guess I played a, I played a little bit of in a golf league out here too, and I play a lot of things. I play like sports still, golf, and you know, sort of. I guess the, the occasional tennis game, but I've never really mm -hmm. been deep into the adult sports leagues as quite as much as I know Grant's going to talk about, and Mr. Berman's going to talk about, and Ben <coughs> is a little yes. less deep dive into. But he gets pretty into it. So, but all these guys are played have played. I think way more than. The two of us, probably. Yeah. So, as luck would as luck would have it, all of our uh, adult sports league storytellers play softball. And of the three, I would say uh, our good friend Sam, friend of the podcast, Sam Berman, Sam Berman, uh, is the most serious about it. I think so. so yeah, like, yep. I think he, Grant well, is serious about it, but kind of just in a more like, this is my community. He's played yeah. on that Doom team forever, and that's like a group <laughs> of like artists and sort of, uh, I guess, uh, creative souls on that team. But they're not in it to win it necessarily. But Sam, <laughs> no, Sam is hand, in it to win it. Yes, and Ben <clears throat> and is I just a winner. He's just a overall <laughs> around winner. That Ben Tanzer. He is an all around winner. Um, so I, I, I apologize for it only being softball, but softball seems to dominate the adult sports league landscape. We're going to have three stories today, um, one about a drug-addled teammate, yeah. one about getting hit in the face twice, and one about triumph. We're going to start with Ben Tanzer's story about triumph on the diamond. 
Uh, I don't know what to add to this. Yeah. Like like Grant's story that follows, it spans from childhood to adulthood. Absolutely. And maybe I should just let, let Ben tell his own story. Mr. Tanzer, straight out of the Chicago area. Okay, we have Ben Tanzer with us right now. He's a teacher, a storyteller, a coach, a podcaster, a principal. He's uh, the principal. He is, have to he is just the okay. He is the principal. He's not a school principal. He's a lover of all things book, and he runs, and he likes gin and street art. And he's got two podcasts. He's got this podcast could change your life. And yeah. I think I already asked you, Ben. Is that named after the um, uh, Minutemen song? <laughs> no, I wish it was. Honestly, hmm. uh, I wrote, I came up with the name early on because I was sort of embarrassed I was creating one and I thought I better mock myself just to give myself cover. But that was years ago. <laughs> As it turned out, other people decided they would start podcasts too. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. No. And I he know. has a new podcast called Upstate, Upstate, the podcast. Before you tell your story, you want to tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, sure. I'll keep it brief, but I appreciate that. So uh, I have a short story collection out, 30-ish interlocking stories, all based around a sort of quasi-upstate New York town called Two Rivers. Mm-hmm. And the very short answer is that I was asked to pitch it. This is a sort of a humble brag, not intended. Pitch it to a producer. They were talking about serializing it. And then the producer's second-in-command was like, no, nah, we're not going to do it. It was really funny, like completely <laughs> crushed it. And then I thought, well, do I need a production company to produce it? Couldn't I produce it? So then I just started inviting people to read stories. And oh, three nice. stories later, I launched the podcast. So it's 30, all 30 stories and 30 completely different readers from my life, writers, family, friends. Um, and it's launched. We're six weeks into it. It's been, I mean, it's been very fun for me. I can't speak for the public. It's awesome. I know. I got to be a part of it. I read one of the stories. So that's, it was yes, a privilege. I particularly you know. picked a drinking story for you. I hope that was okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Dubious. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a, that's a fun experience for sure. And what we have here is an adult sports league themed story for this adult sports league episode. And uh, Ben, why don't you just dive on in? I will do that. So uh, I really appreciate you guys doing this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell a story that I later turned into an essay called the natural, which is supposed to be tongue in cheek because I am no natural, but um, Mm -hmm. you know, where I grew up, I'm going to keep this upstate thing going, but you know, upstate New York in the eighties, really the 70s like you know everyone had to play little league which i did not enjoy i mean i never enjoyed baseball i was totally into soccer which only added to whatever freaker outside thing i was not (laughs) trying to embrace but i thought soccer was great i absolutely hated little league but you had to play so uh i went to try out and um the first year i went this is a true story uh, it was really hot and muggy and tons of mosquitoes. And they had us all lined up in the outfield and they were hitting these massive hits. Uh, we were supposedly supposed to be able to catch. And when my turn came up, <laughs> this is true. This sounds much worse than when I wrote it. Um, this girl, we were kids, so she was a girl still. She ran in front of me and caught the ball <laughs> and uh, like, cut the line. And I don't think I was embarrassed as much as everyone lost their minds. It was a great catch. Um, I guess it was humiliating, but that was fine. Except that I lost my turn. They didn't say, and now you get to go again. Uh-huh. And everyone's cheering her on. And I got really upset. And I literally just walked away from the tryouts and went home very unsuccessfully. And I think my dad might've given me a hug. That was not totally his thing. So then the next year I came out again, 
um, because again, I, apparently I'm really into torture and self-flagellation. And um, I don't remember going very well till the last day. You know, I could always really hit. And they were throwing these huge softball pitches and the guy, one of these like, he, you know, none of the parts of the story sound appropriate in the new age, but you know, this dad, <laughs> and his khaki, this dad and his khakis and his polo shirt. And you got a picture very upstate New York, these very white dads with crew cuts and beer cuts. I mean, that was the seventies and eighties where I grew up. He just threw this ball that was so, so, so hittable. And I fucking, I mean, I just cranked it and nearly took the guy's head off. Like he <laughs> fell down. He fell down on the field and the whole place stopped. I mean, it felt like a movie. Everyone just stopped moving. Like I almost killed him. And um, I got drafted. And it was really funny. Almost killing the guy got me drafted. And so uh, then one day, uh, one of my neighbors, kids walked over I was not friends with. And he's like, dude, what the fuck? And I said, excuse me? And he said, the coach has been trying to call you for weeks. They already started practice. Like you haven't, you haven't shown up. You're not going to make the team. And picture my parents in the 70s they had an hmm. answering machine they never checked their answering machine <laughs> he never checked it they had probably called the house like four or five times um and so i went to the very last practice and the coach was really uncool i can still picture him and his son who i fucking hated anyway <laughs> and uh the guy's like you think you think you're making the team and i was like i don't know because you haven't been to a single practice what's wrong with your parents <laughs> Um, and if you knew my parents, that was a very valid question. Though they were they were quite awesome. So um, he's like, "You're B team." Like he wouldn't even let me practice. He's like, "You're on the B team," and the B team barely played, and it was on all these sad fields. And uh, but I will say, every game I played, I got a big hit somewhere along the way. This is all part of the story. So um, I was a fearless hitter, and finally, for the last game of the season, the coach is like, "We're going to let you come up and play one varsity game," um, and I said, "Okay, cool." So I get up there and I'm just like sitting on the end of the bench, inning after inning. And by the way, not soccer. You never sit around in soccer. And finally, in the ninth inning, the coach is like, all right, you're up at bat. I mean, dude, it was terrifying. And uh, the pitcher, no lie, was a dude who bullied me at school. This is a real <laughs> story. All important, all part of the buildup. So the bully's out there with his very pimply, greasy face, which I always remember from childhood. <laughs> And he was huge. Like, I don't know if you guys can remember what it's like to be like a kid or a kid athlete. Like, there's always a bunch of people, boys and girls, usually boys, right? Like, there's just so much bigger than everybody. By the time you get to adulthood, it's sort of, or high school even, it sort of settles down. But like, this guy was literally 50 times my size. <laughs> so I get up there and the first pitch comes, like, I can't even like bat an eyelash and it's a ball. And I'm like, oh, thank God. But I'm not even come close to swinging. Then the second ball comes again, can't even move. Um, and he basically walks me on four balls. I barely get up the nerve to swing. And then I'm on first base. And, you know, I'm a runner, as you mentioned, uh, and it was a soccer player. And it was so much different being on first base, you know, like the field looked like so, so much smaller. You could see how, like, slow everybody was moving. Like, it's pretty – that is what's interesting about baseball. Like, the reflexes are great, but the game can really happen in slow motion, which I guess is like any game. And it was so clear to me I could steal second base without even trying. Like, I just hmm. knew that instinctually. So I immediately stole second base. I mean, the catcher didn't even have a chance to throw. <laughs> and then I stole third base. Like, you know, what is that phrase they say? Like a stand-up steal? Like, there was just no way they were going to get me out. And then I scored. And I should add, the team was down like 15-0 to zero at the time. <laughs> um, so my run was not going to mean anything. But then I scored. Someone got a hit. And when I came in, I was like, and I really got a picture of this. 
about as excited as I had ever been in my young life. So I must have been <laughs> 10 or 11. And it was honestly stealing those bases, scoring that run that night. Uh, the whole thing was beautiful. It was about the most excited I've ever been. So I come over and I'm expecting the coach to be like, that's nice running. Good instincts. And the coach looks at me. He's like, what the fuck were you doing? Did you see the signs? Did you follow the signs? Oh, I didn't give no. you the steal sign. Oh, and I really no. got a stress. I did not grow up in a sports family. I didn't even know there were signs. <laughs> I didn't the sign. I didn't know such a thing existed. I never even looked at the coach. So he berated me in front of the whole team. Um, and I was like, God damn it. So that was the end of the season. <laughs> and yet somehow, again, all important, I somehow thought I'm going to go out next year and be even better. I'm going to learn the signs. Like I got really into it. So I show up the next year and the same coach is like, you know, if you get drafted, you know, if you do this, you have to play on my team again. That's how the rules work. And I was like, Oh, oh. <laughs> and then he said, and by the way, if you're going to play soccer, you have to, qu if you want to play little league, you have to quit soccer. And I was like, what? Dang, geez. <laughs> He's like, you have to pick a sport. You need to pick a lane, a phrase I've always hated. Mm. And so I was like, I'm not going to do that. It was probably the most I'd ever stood up to an adult in my life. I said, well, then I guess I'm done. You know, you fuck this team. Mm. And then another friend of mine, his father was like, you come play on our team. I'll take care of you. But by then, I was so out of it and so unhappy. All of which is only important because I tell you now, of course, I'm in my 50s, but well in my 20s, that whole season, all of that haunted me. Even though I went on to be a good soccer player and a champion runner, and then I played ultimate Frisbee in college, and we had a great team, but like, I was always haunted by that hit. So I moved out to the Bay Area, um, uh, 1990, and I'm working at this big law firm in Oakland. And the, uh, the dude who's my boss is like, hey, we want to recruit you for the softball team. And like, I was the youngest person there by 10, 15 years. And I was like, you know, man, that's really not my thing. And I'm not very good. And he's like, dude, you don't need to be good. We need bodies. Hmm. I was like, no, I don't think so. He's like, come on, come on. I was like, all right, all right, all right. So I go out for the team and I, I can tell immediately they're barely going to play me. Like, you know, I can't field. I can't do anything. And these guys <laughs> are huge. And hitting a softball, not as easy as I remembered. Hmm. But. I still got in a little bit every game and I got a hit. I mean, I was literally batting like a thousand. Um, it was so easy. It was slow pitch, middle-aged men and me. Uh, so, but I'm barely playing, barely playing. And then true story, the deciding game of the season, the, the, the guy who was like the loose sort of coach is like, I think we need a hit. Like we have to get a hit. It was like the eighth or ninth inning. And then someone else said, well, put Ben in. He always gets a hit. I'm like, really? Uh, <laughs> nice. Which I was technically, literally, technically. I had not, I think I'd gotten, again, I was batting like a thousand. So they put me in and the ball's moving so, so slow and it's up in the air and I just kill it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what's funny about softball though, or at least my experience, it moves a lot faster than Little League, even though everybody's older. And so by the time I get to first, like the dude's on the ball, even though I absolutely yanked it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I decide to go for second base and no one did stuff like that. I mean, again, this is middle-aged softball. And so <laughs> you I make a, a move for second <laughs> and I see a guy picking up the ball, throwing the ball. And I literally do like a full face slide for second base. Pete Rose. And uh, it's just, it's just like pig pen. Yeah, totally Pete Rose, but just like pig pen. The dust is rising. Everything's going crazy. <laughs> and when I stand up, the guy had dropped the ball and I was on second and I had knocked in the winning run. Nice. And uh, everybody like lost their minds. It was really funny. And again, middle-aged men celebrating is not a pretty sight. Uh, <laughs> but everybody lost their minds and I got a trophy. And uh, I remember thinking, 
this is one I was always very cinematic. I remember thinking, this is the one time in my life I'm going to have a cinematic moment. I'm going to have an actual triumph. This is a redemption arc. I literally was thinking that standing on second base. <laughs> and so I took a moment and I just took it all in, all the screaming, all the yelling. And uh, there's really no more to the story. I don't think I've ever swung a bat since. But um, I got that hit. They won the division. We got trophies. And uh, I kept telling myself, and now you can put that whole Little League thing. Nice. To rest. <laughs> yeah, why would and you? Why would you want to right? swing a bat since? How could it get better? I know. Oh, no, it cannot get better. It was, and again, that was among many, many, many good things happening in my early 20s. That still stands out as one of the highlights, which I'm incredibly embarrassed about. Because <laughs> um, here we are, possibly 30 years later, and uh, I still think, and I was happy to share that story with you. So here we are. That's fantastic. Fantastic, Ben. Yeah. A story of triumph and redemption. I know. And, and, and your Little League, Ben, uh, if I can just add this that's it, a cutthroat little league because i remember literally you couldn't everybody made the team you may not have played but you were on the team oh, yeah, yeah, really? where I grew up. yeah we're in palo alto now you we're, got cuts in little league i believe we had cuts oh my gosh oh, oh yeah man, it was so. intense yeah and they were very good athletes i mean very good i mean I, I feel like this is every small town in america maybe not but like there were very good athletes where i grew up and um, no it was very competitive and i had a very good friend who's had a whole life as a creative and living in New York and making money and on and on and on. And that guy could not get on a team, which I remember haunted hmm. me that he wasn't getting on and I was barely <laughs> getting on. And the funny part is, which is totally a humble brag, by high school, <laughs> I was like, I was really like a superlative three sport varsity athlete. Hmm. But man, at 11, I was a fucking runt and I was so just, you know, no confidence at all, which they only helped me exacerbate by constantly berating yeah. which is a really terrible way to coach so, might I add. I definitely remember a, a very zen-like moment in my my uh, little league career like standing on first base and this I still go back to this in some writing stuff and like this understanding somehow that I was going to remember this moment for the rest of my life I like I, this, oh, yeah. I, I had this like this uh, revelation of like years from now and I still remember it, obviously, but just all these, I, in my rogies, my rogies auto works, uh, they were, our, they were our sponsor, but, uh, just standing there going, this is something I will never forget. Well, that was Mr. Ben Tanzer. We really appreciate you coming on, sir. Um, what else do you want to tell us about what you do and what you have out there in the world besides the podcast we got into? I know you have Yeah, no, books. thank you. You know, I'm not sure there is much else, but of course always happy to promote books. My most recent thing, uh, again, Upstate, which is a collection of short stories, and then other books floating around. And otherwise, just happy to be a guest, and I really appreciate you guys having me over. This was a blast. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get you back to Boise you, here man. soon. That I really look forward to. I think next to. year Absolutely. for the Campfires, the reboot of the Campfire story series. So we'll get you back to the modern. I would love to be part of a reboot. You know, it'd be me and Cobra Kai. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we can get Ralph Macho. But, uh, yeah. I think I have his I'll number. Your, I will be your Ralph Macho. That'd be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, well, thank you so much, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Ben. All right, you guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Mr. Ben Tanzer, everybody. That was fantastic. And also equally as fantastic. And with arguably... Five times the hair has been tenser. <laughs> Grant Olson came in with his his, his like pigtails and his beard and his giant beard. And he yeah. is an awesome storyteller. And he does talk about getting hit in the face with 
a ball, a couple of different types of ball, but they're both round and they both happen on the diamond. And it's about family. And this is about mm -hmm. uh, trauma also. But here is Mr. Grant Olson. So when I was seven, I have a twin brother um, named Greg. And we lived on a farm out in the middle of nowhere outside of Wendell, Idaho. And my older brother Bryce was 12. My older brother Martin was 15. And so, you know, we always wanted to go out and play and do stuff, but there's just the few of us. So we didn't have much we could do. And so one afternoon we decided to play baseball in the backyard. And it was my brother Bryce and I versus my brother Greg and my brother Martin. And I'm standing on the mound pitching to my brother Martin who's 15, eight years older than me. And like, he's, as an adult, he's like six, three, like a giant dude. And as a kid, not much smaller. And he hits this line drive straight back at me. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm flat on my back and I'm kind of looking with my eyes rolled up in my head, watching him round second. And I could feel blood dripping into my ears. Where did it get you? So my dad drives me to the hospital in Jerome, which is a pretty significant drive because there's no hospital in Wendell. And it turns out he thought my nose was broken because it was bleeding so much, but I'd actually been hit in the orbital and the mandible and it broke both. And that's why my nose is fine. And the doctor said, well, you're going to be fine. There's nothing we can really do, but my nose is actually off center because of that. Hmm. Um, so it's a straight up and down nose, but it's just cockeyed because my whole face got caved in basically. Ooh, and so, you know, I tried my best to keep playing baseball and I loved it. And then I remember one year, maybe it's the next year playing little league. I walk out and they're like, Hey, will you pitch for a minute? And it was a, mm. and it was fine. And so I go, I walk to the mound and I immediately feel my body just start shaking like violently, like hmm. do not do this, do not do this. And so I, I just, I did it for that inning and then walked off. I was like, I can't do that again. And so for 20 years, I literally just could not go anywhere near a mound. Scared the shit out of me. Just the worst experience. And there was one day I played, I lived in Portland briefly, and uh, we had this summer uh, Sunday softball league at this junior high school called Hosford. And it was generally pretty well populated, but being Portland, it rains quite a bit. So there was a fall afternoon where it was raining too much. And so just the hardcore of us showed up, maybe there's six, eight guys. And we start playing. We're like, well, you know what? Let's just play 500. It'll be fine. We'll just hang out. And you know 500, right? Where just there's someone at bat. They hit a fly oh, ball. Wow, right. And, and, you know, everyone on the field goes to try to catch it. If you catch it, you get 100. Whoever gets to 500 gets to bat next. Right. I have not heard that term since I was like. We used to play that on the streets. It's the best. Yeah. It's such a fun game. And so at first, we're all staked out kind of in our locations, being really respectful of one another, you know. So. You know, one guy's over and right, one guy's in left, one guy's in center, you know, got a few people in the rover spots, you know, no problem. You know, it kind of goes along. And then this dude gets up named Kurt and he could hammer the ball, like just hit these high towering fly balls. And people are starting to kind of feel a little bit more frisky. And so he hits this ball and it's right at me. And so I run to the spot, get my glove up and I, I can see it. I know exactly where that ball's gonna be. I'm perfectly fine, right? And all of a sudden, my friend Sean, I can see him in my peripheral vision. He comes and he jumps trying to snake the ball from me, blocks my vision as he goes by. And I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I'm, I'm just going to fucking catch this ball. And it, I watched it. It was like slow motion. I watched it clip that little bit on the thumb of your glove. Right. 
and just square in the nose. Dead, like dead square. And the next thing I saw is I was on my hands and knees and it's pouring, right? It's pouring rain. And I'm watching blood and and this water puddle up and I'm just staring into it. And all I could think was, I was just like, just wait 30 seconds, just wait 30 seconds, just wait 30 seconds. Because my brain understood fundamentally that body drugs were gonna kick in from a number of other experiences in my life where you know you get injured and you know that like it's just going to take a minute shock's going to set in you'll be fine and so shock set in and i felt great and i'm starting to laugh and it's having fun and we're having a blast and my friend says hey let's get you to the hospital and i said that's probably a good idea because i couldn't see my face but i could see everyone looking at me was just like (laughs) recoiling like it's just pouring blood so we get to the doctor and he's like wow you know, there's nothing I can do for you today. If it feels fucked up or weird in a couple of days, when the swelling comes down, you can come back and we can see what we can do. But for now, like, you know, it's nothing, there's nothing severe enough that I can see. Hmm. So just rest and just kind of see if you can make it work. And for the next week and a half, every morning I'd wake up and I'd have to stumble kind of holding on to railings and doors and tables to get to the freezer so I could grab a bag of peas to put on my face because I couldn't see, like my eyes would be so swollen shut every morning that I couldn't even see. So I'd put those on. And so about two weeks later, I decide to go back to play softball because my eyes are good. You know, my nose is broken, but whatever, it's not gonna break again, right? And so I get to third base because I feel comfortable on, on third, I'm fine. And this guy hits this high pop fly. I look up, I get my glove out. And then all of a sudden, as it reaches its apex, I'm watching it come down and I feel my whole body, except for my glove, move to the right. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, huh. like serious self-defense stuff. And I was like, I don't know if I'm, you know, maybe softball's not for me anymore. Maybe I don't get to play mm. anymore. And then the next time I went, the next week, this guy had been pitching batting practice and he wanted to hit. And he's like, hey man, will you throw a ball? I was like, you know what, maybe, seems fine. So I walk over and everything was calm. <laughs> my body was calm, my arm was fine, and I just kept tossing easy, nice lobs, dead center every time. And I was like, why couldn't I have been a pitcher this whole time? And now my body will do it. And it's the best, it was the best feeling because I was never gonna get hit in the face with a baseball again. Like there's no exposure therapy other than just an accident that's gonna make this work, right? Like, and you can talk and talk and talk through like, you know, CBT at therapy, you can do all this trauma work. You're never gonna fix that shit because your body will literally just try to defend itself until you get hit in the face again. And then you're like, oh, this is fine. Like, I'm fine, I can totally do this. And so uh, to this day, you know, this is now 20 some years later, I pitch on the, you know, my softball league. It's the best feeling in the world. I've had balls hit back at me a million times and I just every time reach up and grab it, no problem. It's the best, it's the, it's the greatest feeling in the world. And so to me, like that experience of like being forced into that kind of exposure to that level of trauma, I think gave me a sense as an adult, like, you know, cause little kid brain doesn't get it. Little kid brain is never gonna grasp like why this happened and that it's just an accident and that it's no problem that, you know, you'll be okay. But I think once adult Grant kind of got the sense that like, this is this is a normal experience this hurts but you just put peas on it for a couple weeks you'll be fine and 
it's been the best. So I feel, I feel like maybe I'm maybe brave before. It's a story of triumph. <laughs> that is, that's surprising. I've, as a man who has experienced many face and head injuries over his life, <laughs> I believe you were there one, that one time when Brian Taylor just completely like, he went down, oh, sprung sure. up into the his top of his head hit the bottom of my yeah. chin and yeah. went to the bone and yeah. like and I was I just knew it was bad. Yeah, have you ever gotten and a I good went, elbow in the nose? Oh yeah. Oh, well, sure. look at my nose. My nose yeah, is a, got, it's got a lot of um, and I, I <laughs> hope that at some other it. point in your life you suffered a trauma and went to a doctor and he said I can help you. Yeah, I can do something <laughs> for <laughs> you. It, tur- it turns out American healthcare is generally just a eh, I don't know go, go go to your house. Go get some peas. You're not gonna yeah. die, so just go home. Yeah. Oh man, I that is uh, yeah. Just watching the blood pool, I've been there too, and it's not. This is weird. I mean, yeah. And I, your your brother just circled the bases. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask about that. What a rocket <laughs> off a seven year old. Oh yeah, like didn't even pay attention at all, and and I don't know how he didn't see me just literally laying there flat on my back with just like the goriest amount of blood pouring out of my face. Ugh. He didn't even think he was going to get busted. I have no idea. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to judge 15 year old kids. Okay. He's, yeah. You know, as an adult, if he did that to me as an adult, I'd be like, all right, this is fucked. But like, <laughs> he's 15. Like, sure, should he be the more responsible one? Absolutely. But serve, like, serve someone, someone went and got my dad, <laughs> and you know, drove us in the '67 Oldsmobile Tornado to Jerome as fast as possible. Oh. And that's a hot rod. You can get there pretty fast in the Tornado. I mean, probably 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. And that is the middle of nowhere, Idaho, out there, too. Dude. <laughs> well, that's where I was born, because there's no hospital in Wendell. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then your team. Now, I know it's kind of an, I don't know. Is it a radio famous, team? Infamous. This is the, it's the Doom, right? Doom. This uh-huh. is like a, 100%. a lot of artists around town on your team, I feel like, or just yeah, interesting sure. people. And it's been something that you, I hear the Doom yeah. chant at times. So that's it's, a, it's a really fun team, because it has winning is the lowest priority. Right. And it doesn't mean that we don't want to win. It just means that's the least of it. You know, I came up with a set of rules for it that I feel like really established getting good teammates when we have to get new people. Because it's been a team for 16, 17 years oh, wow. at this point. So, like, <clears throat> just establishing, you know, the fundamental rules, which are, you know, don't be a dick, play your hardest, back each other up, and have fun. Like, because everything else gets taken care of at that point. Like, I don't care if you're any good. Like, it's fine. You can be terrible at it. But as long as you're trying super hard, it's fine. Right. And if you miss a ball in the outfield, that's fine. As long as someone else is is running over to back it up and pick that ball up and get it in the infield, that's great. Like, I don't, it's fine to lose. Nobody yeah. cares. Like, yeah. I'm a, it's a like, co-ed of, team too, well, right? Yeah, Sam? none of us are going to school on a slow pitch co-ed <laughs> no. softball scholarship, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, what else do we have for Grant? Anything uh, else? Maybe, should we promote some of Grant Olson art sure. and whatnot? What do you got yeah. to promote there, Grant, before oh, you head I'm, out? I got, I mean, you know, if anyone wants to check out the music that I make, you know, you can go to Mr. Grant Olson, M-R Grant, O-L-S-E-N, at uh, bandcamp.com. All right. That's awesome stuff. And check out <laughs> and what, Now Right Now. Uh, Radio now Boise, Right Now on Radio now, Boise, right 89.9 or 93.5, Wednesday nights, 7 Wednesday to 10. Nights. Wednesday nights, 7 to 10. Well, thank you for coming, Grant. Thank yeah. you for taking some time Sometimes. out of your day to spend a little time with us. And of course. I, I, now I'm looking at your nose going, it. yeah, crooked. Yeah, it's funny. It's you Because know, like, I got hit here, so you can see that like... Just got actually, pulled over there. Exactly. It just, it's, yeah, it's not bent. Like, cause I, I mean, I did box when I was a kid, but like, that, I, I didn't get any really serious nose injuries there. Hmm. So... 
Well, yeah, you made me cringe a bit. And Sorry. That's okay. I make myself cringe thinking about some of the things that my face has run into <laughs> over the years. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for coming on. Of course. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Our next reader should be quite familiar with you if you follow this podcast or if you are a regular uh, attendee of the Story Fort Festival. Sam Berman is an up-and-coming short story writer. Are you emerging. a novelist, too? I wouldn't say up. I, well, I think the first thing you missed I think on you've was done up, up and, and coming. coming. Yeah. He's, a, he's, just, he's here. I'm but here. he's also emerging. I like emerging. Yeah. He's emerging. He's, yes, right now he's, yeah. I'm he's in a, a metamorphosis, if you will. You're he's a metamorphosis. He's, he's a butterfly, but you're, you know, right. caterpillar. Uh, the list of publications is too long for me to remember because I kind of suck, but you guys might know. There's quite a few that, well, Sam's been a, a friend and a student in my workshop over the years, kind of. Yeah, I've coached him up pretty well, it seems like. He's got a great work ethic in the writing world and a great uh, style about his writing and also just a, a, just a good storyteller, as you're going to hear here. But also, yeah, I know he won the Forever Magazine contest of... Uh, it wasn't Uncommon Love. What was it, Sam? Unconventional. It unconventional Love was the theme on that. But yeah, tell us a few places where you've been published lately. Or kind of, you don't have to go through them all because that would just take too long, It would right? take too long. <laughs> Um, where's the next? Um, Not to be falsely, no false modesty here. Why don't we plug one? I think, uh, or I, not, I think in December I will have a very long short story in, uh, expat presses December release. So yeah. So at the time of this airing, cause it's oh. going to air in the new year, it will be out there. It'll be the out world. there. Yeah. You can go to expatpress.com and pick up the, uh, winter issue. I haven't seen the art yet. I assume it's cool. Um, and you can read a Tom Hanks story on there. Mm, I know. What is the actual title? TBD. Okay. <laughs> I, I literally Tom. think we might end up just calling. I, I was talking to the guy, I go, maybe we just call it the Tom Hanks story. Like Tom we've tried Hanks to do story. so many other things. Let's just get back to the root, right? I might help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But you're here today to talk about something else. Mm -hmm. About? About. I'm here to put it on wax. To put it on wax. Softball. softball. My adult softball team. Now, we've had a few people talk about softball. Softball mm -hmm. seems to loom large uh, up in, in, in the imaginations of adults who still want to play sports. I think it's the most forgiving yeah. of the adult sport. Like, there are guys in our league um, that have the, uh, you know, titanium legs from being or the playing. War. Right. And they're, you know, like... Like, I think it's difficult to be 80 and play basketball. <laughs> difficult to be 57 and play basketball. Exactly. Every time. Uh, I do, you're right, because I think if someone called me and said, hey, you want to play softball in my league? We need a guy tomorrow. I could probably do it. Eh. Yeah. Depends on the league. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> if it's fast pitch, maybe not. Yeah, I think I could, you know, pull a couple line drives down the first baseline. And Absolutely. And I think I'm, I'm just sort of going to go into what I want to talk about with it. I'm going to put it on wax here, because I, I okay. think... I, I like your guys' opinion on this because I, I, as much as I like playing on, and I, so I've been on a team for about five years, and we are called. Well, I might stay away from names cause as I get towards this story. <laughs> right. Actually, you live in a medium-sized city yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. I think if anyone cared enough to, they could probably figure out what softball team I'm in. But we have been hovering at 500 for four years, and then this season we exploded, exploded. <laughs> I mean, truly. 
a rags to riches uh Philadelphia dumpster kicking, invincible starring Mark Wahlberg turnaround from us. Nice. Where, yeah, <laughs> undefeated regular season into a championship game. We lost, unfortunately. Do, do you mind if I interject? Mm. Same, uh, same roster? We picked up one or two guys, but for the most part, the same roster. Mm. And I think what it is, is about that was we were just coming out and you know, we lose games and we go, wow, why did we lose that? We should beat those guys and, you know, this and that. And we just straightened out our swing this year. That We got a lot of golfers on our team. It was all about flattening no. out the swing. We got rid of the pop-ups okay. and they're on fire. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not, uh, to get to my story, I would finish those games, whether we won or lost, have been for a long time. I'd, I'd get done with those. And I would think, why does it feel so good? To play softball as an adult i would really try and like unpack that because there are so many things i would do i would go skiing which i did a lot when i was younger i went a lot last year and i go i like this but why does softball feel so good and the only thing i could figure out was like there's this thing that happens when you get older and i think it's why it was so tough when we lost the championship this last year you don't have a lot of opportunities as you get older to really take part in team athletics if you're not a professional athlete you know you kind of have to be in one of these leagues to do it and and there feels like a scarcity and there was this thing happening with our team over the last couple of years where most of the guys on there are a year or two older than me now a couple of years so guys are phasing out as they have babies and mm. get wives and everything and it's a it's definitely a time of transition as we all enter our 30s and that's why the story i'm going to tell you is so uh remarkable it was <laughs> there is this thing that when we play softball it is like turning back the clock a little bit we're in high school again it's lifetime sports you know it's this thing where it's like a lot more torn acls and all that kind of stuff but like so a couple seasons ago there is this guy on our team named we're gonna call him jack We'll call him Jack. Call him Jack. Hey, Jack. Jack uh, was like a stud soccer player in high school. Good-looking kid. Big hips. Handsome guy. I mean, just the whole package, this guy. Um, big hips? Yeah. I mean, birthing hips? Like, what are you saying? No, no, just like like he's just good-looking, you know. He's a solid guy. He's a solid okay. guy. That's okay. exactly what I was looking for. Okay. And he, uh, he's this guy that, and you guys have probably seen guys like this, was like the man is still the man kind of thing, but he's just like an adult guy living his life now. You know what I mean? It's like the guys that are like good at soccer or good at anything in high school, you're like, I think I could be president one day. <laughs> I mean, the sky is the limit for this guy. It, this guy lives a totally fine life, totally happy dude. He's just hanging out in the valley like the rest of us, nothing, you know. And it was his birthday, the night of this game we had. And he, uh, he called ahead and he said he was gonna be a little late. We were doing warm-ups, we were waiting for him. He pulls up to the game, this beautiful, I think now, might be his wife? Maybe his girlfriend at the time. And his partner. The his there partner. We, there we go. Comes running towards <laughs> where we're warming up. Um, plops down on the uh, picnic tables he get ready for before he play the park. He's got his knee pads out. He's fully lacing up, ready to go. Hasn't looked up yet. Sort of pops his head up. He's got nice hair. Sort of bounced a little <laughs> when he did it. And he goes, I need to tell you guys something. And he goes, uh, I took mushrooms. I took oh, mushrooms before oh, I got to the game. It's his birthday, no. so he's partying, right? 
And he goes, guys, I took mushrooms before the game. And we're like, oh, sick. <laughs> You're playing catcher. No, <laughs> I, we talked about it. I mean, it was so funny. I mean, his pupils were dinner plate size. He looked like a vampire. He's just all black <laughs> in his eyes and the whole thing. And, uh, and it was his birthday and we were stoked. And, you know, this sort of goes to the age thing. It's like, there's nothing wrong with this guy. But I'm sure there are guys on this softball team that will quit drinking within the span of their life. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's sure. like, it all feels like fun when we're out there. But like, you have to drive home still. <laughs> like, there's this other <laughs> shoe to drop kind of thing now that we're older. But this is not what we were thinking at the time. We're like, this is awesome. He's on mushrooms. It's his birthday. You're playing outfield, buddy. Oh. Time to watch the grass grow. And you would think that like, this would be problematic in terms of like safety judging fly ball <laughs> absolutely yeah. anything yeah. you you would think and to tell you the truth it was the best game i've ever seen anyone play of softball <laughs> <laughs> he never once hit a home run in any of our other games athletic kid he hits the fence all the time first at bat <laughs> he's holding the bat about four feet off of his body <laughs> Like it might turn into a snake or something. You know, <laughs> he drags it, slowest drag through the zone I've ever seen. Hits it 30 feet over the fence. <laughs> he had two home runs and three at-bats that night. He's never hit a home run before or since that game. Did he know they were home runs? He knew. He sort of like came around. Did so he just go right back to the dugout? <laughs> I could. There are so many different like temperaments people take depending on how they handle psychedelics and that whole thing, I would say his temperament was that of like guy who had just been flashbanged all night. Like he's just, he was just sort of looking straight ahead. <laughs> like he, maybe his head was ringing or something, but like, he was just sort of like, yeah, how about that? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and we were howling laughing. It's like something out of a movie. Like, as I say it, I'm like this, would be like something they'd put in a studio com, you know, mm -hmm. American Pie or something like that right. type of thing. And uh, that night we just we were howling, laughing, and then the game was over, and you know we were patting him on the shoulder, um, you know, covered in sweat, just like profusely <laughs> sweating. And his girlfriend was there sitting on the mat, and she goes, "Okay, yeah, now it's time to go." And uh, we were after all, the game's after over, after the game, she's okay. like, "So we were getting this five, like, oh." Uh-oh. You got a question for me? So the best part of his night had already happened. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So we're joking around and we're going, oh yeah, we should uh, you know, shoot him up with ketamine next week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe the week after we'll, you know, uh, I don't know. We pull up, give him Vicodin and let him play shorts die. She goes, that's not funny. His girl, she was like, right. Oh. So now. Now is this the tip of the iceberg? It's tough to say. It's tough to say what's going on in anyone's life, right? Yeah, I would yeah. hate to speculate even on a, a made-up name, but it's this thing that when we get out there, not only are we like a team having fun, it even seems like some of those. I've had guys come out to those games, you know, probably guys dealing with actual wife stuff, or parents are sick, or any of those types of things. When you're out there for those two hours, it's about as I mean, I've been out there not feeling my best at times or having some real life issue type thing. And I think that the most important part of adult sports 
is that they're actually still kind of kids sports because sports are something that kids do to pass time because <laughs> yeah. you have no you have no adult consequence when you're out there the worst thing that can happen is you pop out Drop or you strike ball. It. right right and uh that you can survive <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe. okay so so you think mm -hmm. the escape is that you're playing a child's sport like if it was a group of like if it was this is a bad example. Mm -hmm. If it was like a guy's book club, mm -hmm. it wouldn't offer the same sort of escape. Mm -hmm. No. no. Bowling no, league? Yeah. No, there's an unspoken thing in sports. You really don't bring your... Your stuff. I mean, if someone dies, it's like a pat on the shoulder. Yeah, you played third tonight, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really about... Sorry, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I think it's best... Because sports are... Sport, we watch sports played by adults, and adults are the ones famous for playing sports. But if you looked at the ratio of sports ever played, it's mm. a 99% chart of children playing sports yeah, with yeah. the 1% right. being adult. So I think keeping that in spirit is the paramount when it comes to any sports league. For our listening audience, Sam mm -hmm. is not too far removed from sports in high school days. You're only like 30. I so am 30. 31, 31 I'm 31, okay. 31. But at the same time, like Larry and I, right. so, in our fifties, so, so it's the, a, yeah, it's the, a little different, probably. We could, I don't know. Yeah, when you're thirty-one, eight years seems like a really long time, mm -hmm. and thirteen years seems like a really long time. But when mm -hmm. it starts, when you start measuring things in terms of like that, you have clothes that are thirteen years old mm -hmm. that not only still fit, but you think of them as new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I just got that jacket. <laughs> yeah. Oh shoot! There's a picture of me in 2012 wearing it. <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Yeah. But I guess when you're 31, you still have a lot in the tank. You still have a lot in the tank. We don't have much in the tank. And, and I don't mean we well, couldn't go out and play sports, right. but as far as Speak for it, being, <laughs> it being something that happened a short while ago. It's right. A very distant memory. I haven't played volleyball in 22 years. And I think, mm -hmm. oh, I could probably you know, hit a ball down tomorrow. Probably not. I think you lose any of that stuff really quickly. Yeah, yeah. that stuff. Yeah, I think any the of that stuff. The pain stuff. Right, any right. of that stuff. Uh, that's why they... Icy hot. Icy <laughs> hot. invented Icy yeah. hot. That's why I got a hot tub. I yeah. do think it's interesting, like, team sports especially do, I think, what you're talking about. Because yeah. I play a lot of golf, or a fair amount of golf still. I played. I have a lot of nostalgia for my golfing days in high school um, and college. But... It doesn't do the same thing. I don't imagine that. Uh, I haven't played, like I said, softball in a softball league for quite some time. But uh, it was a different feel than like, going to play golf. So I think it has to be a team sport. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I think there's something very special to like guys that have work the next day, or guys that have kids at home, or you know why? Yeah, you know, like I said, all those adult responsibilities to come along with it. It's a really special thing. That's why we love sports. Besides your Tom Hanks story, do you have anything else uh, you can point people to? Oh, my good gosh. That yeah. you remember? Because so there's much. so many. I think you should go to his Instagram. My Instagram yeah. page, at SugarCane, S-U-G-A-R-C-A-I-N, Berman, B-E-R-M-A-N, SugarCane Sugar Cane Berman. Berman. You do, you're pretty savvy, with, along mm -hmm. with your girlfriend, mm -hmm. um, who she, then that helps uh, get the word out. And you do the mm -hmm. tweeting as well, I know. Yeah, Twitter. We're taking a little break from that. See how it shakes oh, yeah. out with uh, Captain Elon. I haven't noticed any <laughs> There difference. you go. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, yeah, his his Instagram is very good. I can vouch for that because mm -hmm. I do follow him. Love the name. 
Mm-hmm. Love the references. Mm-hmm. Love the hair. The hair's fantastic. Thank you. It, <laughs> I wore a hat oh. today. Out of I know. Just so we didn't get too distracted. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Well, thanks, Sam Berman. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Sam. Well, uh, that's it for our softball uh, episode. <laughs> it's supposed to be it's supposed to be adult sport leagues, but it kind of came out softball. Yes, <clears throat> life lessons through the lens of softball and uh, other balls. You, you know, I think I think almost every story that people have told could be under the life lessons category as well as the sports category. Don't you? I agree, and that's kind of what we were after. I feel like you know, intrinsically with telling these sports stories, is because <clears throat> you know we're not going to just talk about the best uh, best game for the sake of the game and because it's, you know, sports transcends, you know, mm-hmm. all of our lives, I guess, you know, sports at least everybody like... on this episode or this whole season, I should say, um, mm-hmm. it's been important, but it's cool to see how everybody sort of has, I don't know, unpacked that in their lives, the story they told around a ter- certain time or a series of times it was unique, obviously with each of these storytellers today. And I don't know, I loved it. Um, so we're really well, happy the, with the whole way this thing's turned out. And one of the great things is if you saw the parade of people that came into our home studio to record, you wouldn't have said, oh, that's a bunch of sports people. Maybe one all. or two. Maybe, you know, a couple people came in. I know Greg Heinzman came in wearing sweats. but uh, He did. That's other, true. <laughs> other than that, this wasn't the jockey type of thing, our sports thing. No. Uh, but it's I not over yet. Yeah. No. Nope. Because we continue. <clears throat> but... For this episode, we're going to sign off. I know it's sad, but I know. And who do we want to thank, Mister Battistain? Thank you, of course, for, and for all the stuff. Well, thank you, Larry. <laughs> good job, Larry. Yes, good job, Chris. And, uh, and thank you to uh, Sam, Grant, and Ben for coming in. Uh, all recorded in. Well, except Ben didn't actually come in; he came in via phone. But thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, remember to go rate and review. Remember to share your thoughts on Facebook Story Forward. Twitter and Instagram story dot forward. Uh, and remember to follow me at that Larry Rosen. Anything else? Uh, you? you can follow Christian me Wynn? at Christian underscore win and on the <clears throat> Instagram, Instagram and just, uh, I don't know. You can follow me around town if you want to just, you know, if you want, <laughs> keep I, de- I live on, uh, I won't tell you where I live, but yeah, anyway, yeah. I can be found walking the streets of Boise. So, um, don't be obvious and about so, it. yes, that said, uh, gosh, what do we do now, Larry? Well, I think, yeah, we're, we're pretty committed to keeping the story moving forward. We are. <laughs>